Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Hello, Rebecca Phillips here, and I want to give you an introduction to this week's episode. Originally, this episode was going to be about the celebration and history of Hanukkah in Memphis, with the Festival of Lights being just around the corner. However, you'll soon discover it is so much more than that. We were connected with Lenny Mervis, a member of the Jewish Historical Society of Memphis in the Mid-South, who not only tells us the story of Hanukkah, but also the story of a Jewish community from the Pinch District and their move through different locations. Lenny also shared additional information about Jewish culture and landmarks after the interview, which you can find on our show notes, memphistypehistory.com slash Hanukkah. You'll also see the titles of a few books Lenny recommends of Jewish culture, one of which is written by her own daughter. And now on to the interview. My full name is Arlen Shara Katz Mervis, and people in my family when I was growing up called me Lenny as a nickname, and when I moved back to Memphis, I've gone by Lenny Mervis, my married name. And my Hebrew name is Elia Sora. Everybody has a Hebrew name? Yeah, in the Jewish community, yes. Uh, we're given Hebrew names. Certain Jewish traditions, you're named after someone. I was named after my grandfather, okay. Eliyahu, and, so, and I'm named Elia. It's from the prophet Elijah, and uh, I like that name. It is a, it's a beautiful name. So I haven't claimed it. Uh, I have all these names, English names, Hebrew names, I use that name when I uh, do paintings. I'll sign my name, Elia. Elia. Oh, yeah. So that is beautiful. Yeah. So your name changed when? Are you? And I, I was from a cat. Israel, or where are you from? No, no. I've I've born and raised in Memphis, and uh, on my mother's side, uh, I'm like fifth generation Memphian. Okay. You know, so yeah, my great grandmother came from Germany with her parents in the 1870s. When she was a little 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 girl with her big sister, they came to Memphis. So, okay. and you yeah. stay here. So that means so you like we're Memphis, okay. born. Yeah, I was born and raised in Memphis. I have a lot of family here, and uh, I went to college in New York City and met my husband David. Oh, and who then was you brought him over also here. from the south. And then at the <laughs> oh. time, I didn't think that there would be any other place to live except for Memphis. Okay. My parents were here. <laughs> Then it took a while to get used to it. We moved away and then came back uh, a few years later, and our children were born here. You yeah. said you went to an academy here in Memphis? Right. Um, in the late 40s, there was something called the Jewish Day School Movement. People were immigrating you know, from Europe. It was after the Holocaust, and they, some had been here a few generations, and it was felt like the uh, children were really not learning enough about their Judaism, learning Torah. So in, in Memphis, uh, there was a Jewish day school that was started. Because of uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Nathan Greenblatt and Rabbi Kuttner, two rabbis who came from New York, were here in other capacities. Uh, as a cantor and assistant rabbi at the synagogues here, the Orthodox synagogues, and uh, they started the school. It was a parochial school, kind of, that would teach general stu- subjects a half day, and and then uh, the Jew- Jewish, so Hebrew, the Hebrew yeah. language and the Torah as subjects, which is includes lots of, you know, Christians call the Old Testament, that's our five books of Moses, and the Tanakh, and, the, and uh, yeah. other other subjects. Yeah. So before mm-hmm. then, was there not a school 
geared toward that? Orthodox. Were people not learning Hebrew? and There was uh, the different synagogues, you know, there were different denominations had after-school programs, you know, called a cheder, you know, after-school where I think when boys were bar, came a bar mitzvah, they learned Hebrew. Girls, to a lesser extent, sometimes they did. And so or, or in some cases, there was just Sunday school in the okay. Jewish community. So they learned so just a little learn. bit. Okay. Yeah, they learned a little bit. <laughs> yeah. This was, yeah, well, just like, a little bit. School, though, so that right. So. Everyone engaged. You mentioned bar mitzvah. That is one thing that I've always wanted to be invited to. You never, <laughs> never been bar, invited bar to bar mitzvah. Can you tell me yeah. what that is? Okay, bar mitzvah. What is a bar mitzvah? It literally means the son of mitzvah. And mitzvah is uh, literally commandments, or they are uh, in our Torah, the 613 mitzvot, the commandments that every Jewish person is obligated to do. They include, I would translate it good deeds, except uh, that's not exactly right. It's, It's more the... Having relation, the way you relate to your uh, to other people through kindness, and the way, uh, and then the uh, holidays and different things that you do as being Jewish, the Shabbat, the Sabbath, and so when you become a bar mitzvah, you are it's at thirteen years old for a boy, and a girl becomes a bat mitzvah. With, with the, the teeth. Daughter, with the t- but, yeah, I'm using the Israeli pronunciation. Sometimes in some circles they say bas mitzvah, but bat mitzvah. Okay. And uh, the, the daughter of the, yeah, in the uh, Orthodox community it's 12 years old. Okay. Uh, in Reform and, and some conservative it could be 13. Okay. So it's the same a celebration. So it really it is just the that you've come of age, that now you've become part of the Jewish community and you are responsible for how to for conducting your life, you know, through mitzvah and doing, you know, the commandments and, and, and leading a, a life of Torah, a life of good deeds and kindness. So that's when we got to grow up, right, right? Become a celebration, especially in the United <laughs> States, too, where you know they, they there's usually a Sabbath observance where they're called to the Torah. I don't know if you know what that is. What that is? Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, in the synagogue, you know, every Saturday, which is our Sabbath, okay. that's one of the gifts I think the Jewish people have given to the world. The day it's a and day of a day of rest. It's a, okay. it's a Sabbath, a day of of contemplation, a day of going to the synagogue, and in the service there is a reading of the Torah scroll. It's a scroll that opens up, and that's what the five books of Moses is. It's in Hebrew. And oh. it's a scroll that opens up. It's taken out and put on the, what they call the bima, which in the synagogue is like a little table. And the bar mitzvah boy is called up to the Torah, says a blessing, and then will read a portion of, of that or of the haftarah, which is from the uh, prophets sometimes. So, and all your kids have one? <laughs> In different ways, right? And bat mitzvah is celebrated differently depending on whether you're an Orthodox or, or a Reform oh, conservative. Okay. So they're different. So it's a market, right? Okay. The celebration, and then there are some people have parties. Yes, our children, right? Uh, yeah, celebrations or so to mark him. What age. would be? You've mentioned Reformed mm-hmm. and Orthodox. Is there another yeah. Jewish? 
Yeah, if you want to get to the denominations, there's conservative, there's reconstructionist, there's Hasidic, there's Jewish renewal, which is more not really a denomination, right? So you want to know the differences between a little bit. Uh, I can tell you that the uniqueness of being Jewish is that to be Jewish is you are part of the Jewish people. It is being a people, and it is a faith community. So it's two things. You could maybe not, you know, have faith in some of the mitzvot or in some of the beliefs, yet you're still part of the Jewish people. It's mm-hmm. everyone, no matter whether you're Orthodox, Reform, Conservative. And one of Just the so it's key, a of right, God. that's right. And through the ages, really before the 18th century or the 1800s, Everyone, there was no such thing as Orthodox, Reform, Conservative. There were no labels. It was just, just Jewish. Jew, it was just Jewish. And really there was, in, in Eastern Europe, there was a lot of persecution. There was Jews lived in ghettos. There were, there was a, and, and, and led their own lives, you know, separately. But when the modern period came during the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. and I think Jews had more equal rights to a degree, then the Jewish people started questioning. There was a group of uh, people who wanted to reform. They wanted to to create more modern ways of, of looking at Judaism. So they were called the reformers. Okay. And they kind of, yeah, the way they looked at the Torah, they, they felt like they could change things. So things have, and, and then the conservatives was really an American movement in the uh early 1900s maybe that that wanted to conserve they they felt that it had gone so far the reformers that they wanted to kind of bring it back to tradition so that's one way to look at it and or, so then the people who had, were kept the mitzvot didn't want those reforms who who were called orthodox it's very much more diverse than really what i could tell you okay there's a hasidic movement which was a movement to bring more joy into Judaism, and that was in the, uh-huh. it was in the 1700s, late 1700s, and the Baal Shem Tov started that. It was that we need to bring song and and story <laughs> to connect with God. So, interesting, but, right? But, yeah. And would you see all of those? Would you call it denominations? Or I guess, yeah. Here um, would you would you see all of those? Within Memphis, or not so much? Actually, yes. Really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) You would, you would. I can tell you uh, there is a a large reformed temple here that is on Massey Road, a a beautiful building. uh, Several thousand families are members, and uh, then there are also, uh, it's called Temple Israel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you may have heard that. And in the... There are several Orthodox shuls. There, we call them synagogues or shuls. Uh, there's the Anche Sfard Bethlehemeth that I go to. It's right around the corner here on Rich and East Yates, right over there. I'm pretty certain that's one I went to. Did you go to that? And so. Francis Ma, the uh, a, a famous architect, designed it with the you know, silver walls and the colors of the tabernacles from the from the tower. So you might you've been there. You think, yeah. So. <laughs> it was where I grew up at Baron Hirsch, and they're over there on Yates. Uh, beautiful okay. stained glass windows, a beautiful big building. And there is a young Israel there across the street. There's the Yeshiva and the Hebrew Academy where I went to school. They also have a place in, the, in at a high school called the Yeshiva where they have uh, services on weekends. And then there's Chabad, which is Hasidic, which is um, 
out on Kirby. Would you happen to have any photographs that you could share that we could post on show notes? Yeah, you know, I was looking for photographs. I think I do. Now, I grew up. I grew up by the old Baronhurst. Well, I call it the old Baronhurst. Was the old Jewish neighborhood, not the oldest. I mean, the Jewish neighborhood really started by the river, by the, near the Mississippi River, really like just like, just like everybody, yeah. just like everything else. There was the pinch. Have you heard of the pinch? Yeah, the pinch. <laughs> a, yeah, and there were Jewish families there. There were synagogues there, and um, and the Children of Israel. I know was the first. Uh, synagogue started here in the 1850s. Where was that one? I want to say that it was on Poplar and Exchange, and I don't yes. think it's still standing. Yeah, of right. course it's not still no. standing. They had another one, and I have a picture of that. Uh, that was on also on Poplar. It was a beautiful building with two huge, like Turkish kind of architecture. <laughs> and I think they tore that down. Oh, and of course, no. now they, then they moved. They were over there where the Mississippi Boulevard Church is now. Then that became their building. Okay. But I grew up in the Orthodox community in, in Valentine Hills, across the street from the Baron Hirsch, which it also started downtown. And then I think they they moved to a building uh, which was on Washington. And I don't know, and they they also built a menorah institute, which was supposed to be for uh, teenagers and young people to meet. And uh, Yeah, what would a menorah institute It was called be? the Menorah Institute. And I think on Washington Forth, I think one of those buildings could be still standing. It's like a police station. It's on Washington and Forth. So I'm I wanted, to remember. one well, of them was torn there. down. So they had the, the synagogue, I think, was torn down. Actually, the Hebrew Academy first had met in someone's house. And then when I was going to school back in, uh, let's see, when did I go? The 1952, it was in the, uh, no, not a little bit later, the early 50s, it was in that Baron Hirsch building, that synagogue over there in Washington Fourth. So. Yeah, it was all so now it's a police station, right? And Anshasvard was also two synagogues merged, the Bethel and and Anche for, for this building that you were in. But uh, it had been downtown, and then was on North Parkway for a while. <laughs> That's now, I think, a senior citizen home or something. Over there <laughs> so on North did, Everything it keeps progress. moving. Yeah, people, these people move. As, as the neighborhoods change, and yeah. they're wanting more space. And I know. Yeah. But it moves as a community, it sounds like. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. So Temple Israel, there's also, is the headquarters in Crosstown? Do you know? Uh, I've seen a Temple Israel sign in the Crosstown building. Uh, You know, there's also, uh, there's a young group, there's some Jewish professionals that live in Midtown. Most of the Jewish community is, is out in East Memphis here, okay. you know, or in Germantown, uh, yeah. near the near the uh, synagogues and the temple. But there is a, a, a small Jewish group of people that live in Midtown. And I know Temple Israel has like a satellite there. Maybe that's it. I mean, they call it the Maybe. Jewish Neighborhood House. I mean, I don't know. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it could be. Maybe that's what you saw, that they have a... Yeah, I think like it's it like, like they they meeting, like they send place. they send yeah their rabbis and people to do activities with the people there or yeah. down there. Do you know anything about the Turner Dairy building being anything? Right. Well, when I was growing up, you know that I I know I the Jewish Community Center started around the same time 
as the Hebrew Academy. It seems like in the, okay. the late 40s. Was it run by the it, same people or anything? It was some of the leaders in the, in the Jewish community felt like the young Jewish people didn't have a place. You know, there was a certain amount of prejudice, I suppose. They didn't have a place to yeah. congregate. Maybe they had been congregating a little bit in the Temple of Israel, but they wanted a place where all of the Jewish young people could could meet. Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, where it could be to, to unify the Jewish community. So, the, so like a place was for the tr- or exercise, yeah. or right? It was sort of like yeah, it had everything, and it was in the building that the Turner Dairy bought recently. Not the oh. not the first building with the big <laughs> milk bottle, but there <laughs> yeah. was a building behind that because I remember seeing yeah. the Turner Dairy every time I went to the Jewish Community Center. So Turner Dairy was there. It was already there, and, and recently they just bought. The, that old building that had been the Jewish Community Center, it had oh, swimming pools outside. Really? I, it had a preschool. Uh, I think I Not may have gone yet. there when I was three years old. They had a summer day camp. Really yeah, right there. And so it was all there and, and lots of activities. I remember during the 50s, it was very important to learn ballroom dancing. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they had all kinds of activities, dancer. arts and crafts. I don't know <laughs> do that <laughs> but it was yeah so and they had meetings there were the Jewish youth groups met there and uh, they had adult theater Jewish theater That's so it was a cultural arts and, and set coming ones. together young for young and adults. young and, yeah and also for adults right a place where people could you know meet together and do uh, there was a basketball court you know and yeah. uh Different sports. Play, swim, and dance. Right, dance, that's right. <laughs> Plays, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and the synagogues were separate. Synagogues were the, were the places where you, you know, went no to worship. Worship, yeah, to pray. And, uh, did you have to run out the community center or did you have to pay membership? Yeah, uh, yeah I thought there was a, yeah, a membership. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was that much. And is there anything like that? Here in the east. Well, well, the Jewish Community Center moved to a a very beautiful campus uh, over there on Poplar. That's where it went. It's uh, yeah, it's a really state of the art. It yeah has uh, exercise you know rooms. It it has an early childhood center, day camp, and it has a a, a water park outside playground, and and lots of sports teams play out there, and there there are lots of cultural arts activities. Mm. It's evolved and senior programs all kinds of programs and it's open to the entire community so it's become yeah jewish people and and other and people from who want to use that facility you know invite it to to become members does it have a swimming pool as well has an indoor swimming pool and a gorgeous outdoor swimming pool with like a water park with slides and all kinds of okay where is this i gotta look at a 6560 poplar avenue so that is that uh complex also has uh the memphis jewish well federation jewish community partners it's the jewish foundation and the jewish family services become part of the jewish federation in the in the building next to it and, and those institutions they're very old they help to they're service organizations that do fundraising to help the jewish institutions in, in, the, in the city here and to send money to israel and to help uh, other people to you know that in need being that this is uh, we're, we're coming up on 
Yeah. Hanukkah season. Okay, tell me, is it Hanukkah or Shanukkah? <laughs> you know, or am I the, just saying it completely? No, wrong? you're saying it. You said it very well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the ch sound is not a sound that is in the English language. You know, ch. It's it's so it's hard to write it. So sometimes you you'll see it written ch. Yeah, ch. but it's it's really it's it's, it's a ch. ch. But if you can't say ch, people just say ch like h. Oh. Hanukkah, Hanukkah. It's really Hanukkah. Han- Hanukkah. <laughs> right. <Did I> say- <laughs> You said it. You okay. got it. Right, right. But you would spell it C-H. I don't know. I've seen it spelled different ways. I've spelled it H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H and yeah. H-A-N-U-K. How do you spell it? Oh, I think, I, I think I'd get rid of the C probably. <laughs> Just know how to yeah. say it. Yeah. So what is the big picture of that, what it means to light the menorah, and why do you celebrate right, right. Hanukkah? That's right, Hanukkah, yeah. yeah. Why do we celebrate Hanukkah? That is a really good question, and it's really um, become much more visible in the United States because it's mm-hmm. it's not one of the major holidays in, in Judaism. You know, Passover with the story and the narrative of the going out of Egypt and the Exodus. You yeah. know, the, that's, 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 that's the, one of the uh-huh. key pin narratives that unites really all Jewish people, no matter which denomination. And then there's the High Holy Days and the and Shavuot, the giving of the Ten Commandments and the Torah, you know, after Passover. So those, those are huge. But Hanukkah has a special place. It was a historical event, yet it is a spiritual, very spiritual holiday of lighting the candles to see the lights. Families gather, and when you light one on the first day and two on the second day, and you gather around the lights and look at the light and contemplate you know, mm-hmm. how a small spark of light can make a difference in the world. And it is based on a you know, historical event. And the story I like to talk and tell you in a nutshell, do you want yeah. me to? Yes, yeah, please yeah, do. Yeah, is... Um, it's a metaphor story called Lights, and I'll tell you what the metaphor is afterwards. When the Jewish people received the lights from the mountain of Sinai, you know, these lights taught them how to live, and they took the lights everywhere they went, and then they took them to the land of Israel, to the promised land, and those lights were very precious to them. And they built a special house called a Bet Hamikdash, a temple, to put the lights in. They had a special menorah, and they lit. It, you know, like lights, isn't it? Lights, yeah, like, yeah. And this is the metaphor. I'm telling okay, okay. you. I'm <laughs> telling you this story, like like I, I've told children. Then I'll tell you. It means okay. the lights are like a really metaphor for the for the for the Torah and for the laws and the oral traditions right. that they carried with them. And so there was an actual menorah, and there was actual oil that was lit in those in, in this menorah. Mm-hmm. And so they lived in, 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 in peace in the land. And then new conquerors would come to the land. There was Babylonia, there was Persia, and many were exiled, but they returned, and they rebuilt the temple. And it so happened that when Alexander the Great came in 300 and I think 25 BC before the Common Era, he came and he was conquering the world, and he came to Jerusalem. And he saw, the storyteller says, the lights, really the Torah, the traditions of the Jewish people. He was fascinated with Judaism. So he didn't, he didn't destroy the community. He and the Greeks that came with them lived in peace, and the Jewish people lived in peace. They were fascinated with Greek culture. The Greeks were fascinated with Judaism, and they each kept their own identity. Well, as time went on, um, a new ruler came, and his name was Antiochus. 
and he was a king uh, of the Greeks, the Syrian Greeks, and he wasn't happy with this everybody being different and and wanting and the Jewish people were very different from from their culture. So he said, you know, we want to take away your culture. You cannot keep the Sabbath. You cannot circumcise your 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 sons. You can't learn the Torah, and and many people resisted. Some tried to assimilate, and they were scared. And so this was a struggle. And he, he, he said, I want you to give up your lights. You know, that's how this story, this metaphor goes, give up. And the people refused. And so he thought that he would get rid of the people if they wouldn't give up their their you know, their lights, their Torah, their values. So, um, so the people fought back. He sent huge armies. And, you know, if you go into the Maccabees, there's a story of the Maccabees, and, and that's where that comes from. They were the leaders who fought back, who led the people against this this huge army with elephants, and there was Judah back, and there was, there was a struggle. And the, the very teeny band of, of Maccabees of, of the, in the land of Israel were able to push out this Greek army. And they, did, they, yeah, they were they were able to do, and, and when they went to the temple to the Beit Hamikdash, it was really it had been desecrated. There would have been um, Jupiter idol, all kind of Greek idols and pigs and things put into that temple, and, and they cleaned it up and they searched for a little cruise of oil, one little light to light the menorah, and no one could find it. And it took many weeks to make any new like pure oil. They needed pure pure olive oil, and so. Um, the story goes that they, there was a little child that found this little teeny cruise, and it was just enough to last for one day, and they were able to light the menorah. But the miracle was, it was written uh, years later in the Talmud, the oral traditions that have, were written down mm-hmm. called the Talmud. So it lasted for eight days. And so it kept burning point. and until they were able to get more. And so the miracle of Hanukkah, is twofold: the miracle of the few over the many, and the miracle of the lights that uh, that sh- uh, people saw the hand of the of the Kurdish the Holy One of, of of the Divine of God in their lives. So it was a time of Thanksgiving, and from that day on, at this, that time of year, the twenty fifth of Kislev, Jews uh, all over the world have lit, you know, Hanukkah menorahs. Hanukkah, a Hanukkah is what you say in. It's really so. They have eight candles in the temple. There were seven, but there were eight, and one to represent those eight days. The eight days, right? And then the ninth one is the is the is the lighter. It's called the shamus. It lights. You take it to light the other candles. So the story is every night you kind of meditate. Right. So so you you gather around and people have. Uh, you know, family, and nowadays, you know, all the synagogues either have a Hanukkah dinner. There, I know ours is having, yeah, our our big fat Greek Hanukkah dinner. That's what <laughs> ours comes to with love. With Lachlis, they're having Greek baklava. There's tiny oh, all the Greek and Jewish, right? Jewish culture, right? <laughs> Hirsch has something. Temple Israel has a Hanukkah something. All of the, you know, all the synagogues best shalom. The conservative show has something. And Chabad is even going down to Beale Street Landing. They're going to have a boat, and they're going to light 
the Hanukkah menorah on the boat. I didn't know about this. On December December 17th at 3 o'clock. Every year do they do this? They do something different. Chabad does something different every year. They are the ones that, you know, and there is, there's a lot of Jewish uh, laws around all of our holidays. And one important thing is to publicize the miracle. So when we light, we put our menorahs in the window. I bring my, that... Uh, table and put it over there by the mirror, so, uh, by the window, mm-hmm. and all of our children will have their own Hanukkah menorah, and everybody lights their own. I mean, everyone does a little different. Some people might not do that, and you see the lights from the window. Oh, so nice. Chabad has these huge menorahs that they put out at the airport. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen what them. How have I missed this? <laughs> <laughs> they put every so they're going down to the river. <laughs> so we'll be at the river. December 17th? Right, at 3 o'clock, Beale Street Landing. 3 o'clock during the day? Yeah. I think, I'm thinking though, would they may go on the boat and then at 4.30, really, I don't know how, yeah, I'm wondering, the the sun goes down, usually you wait till it gets dark. Okay. That would be 5.30. I don't know if they're going to work downtown. They may light a little bit early. I don't know if people are going to boat. I'm not sure what they're. Although, what day of the week is It's a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Yeah, so. So it's, uh, yeah, you eat latkes, so, you know, anything with the oil to remind you of the miracle of the oil. That's what that's and, and there are blessings that you say before you light the candles. There's a blessing of thanksgiving to God, you know, for, uh, for bringing us to this time to be able to light the candles and for you know, letting us uh, see the miracles. Do you sing? Yeah, yeah, there is. There's in English. It's called Rock of Ages. Rock Ma of Ages. Maosur. Yeah, it's a. Yes, please sing. I don't think I can sing. <laughs> so, is this in so, Hebrew? So, yeah, it's Hebrew. There are five verses, and it goes through really Jewish history and every age. You know, there was there were those who you know wanted to destroy the Jewish people, and somehow you know we survived. It's a you know very yeah. And then there's the there's also a song about the uh, about the candles. I'll show you in the prayer book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can see. Not gonna sing. Anyway, I think I won't sing. But um, yeah, it's a it's a very joyous holiday. And it used to it used to there's a dreidel. You know about a dreidel, a spinning top. I have the wax one. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, the children. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. It becomes a children's game. It it kind of has a story that uh, when when uh, the Greeks were trying to see who was learning from the holy books from the Torah that was forbidden, it was against the law. They would uh, the the children or the people would hide the hide the books and they'd take out the dreidel game. So that was a way. To kind of to be able to learn in secret, and there's a Hebrew letter on each side, so it becomes a game. Non gimel heishin, neskadol hayasham. A great miracle happened there, and if so, if you if you if it lands on the gimel, that means you win. And everyone puts in a piece of candy. It's kind of like a, a little a game where you where put in over the pot. So if it lands on the gimel, then you get everything in the middle. Like everyone has to put in a. A piece of See, this is not the nun means if it lands on that, it's nothing. Means <laughs> <laughs> you don't get anything. Yeah, you the right. Gimel, yeah, is you, you get everything. <laughs> Hay is half, 
and shin is you have to put in one. Oh. I mean, you can take one, but this is from the old city of Sfat. From is well, I think I think it was from Israel. But <laughs> I was I was looking for my dreidels, and you know I think I gave them to all my kids, grandchildren. <laughs> oh, but in <laughs> Israel, in Israel, it's called a city bomb. And they have a, they have a great miracle happened here. Where, so the in last li- no, no in oh. Israel. Oh, in Israel. In okay. Israel, the dreidel it has a different letter at the end. Instead of a great miracle happened there, we say oh. that because this miracle happened in the land yeah. of Israel. Right. So they say a great miracle happened here. Po would be the Hebrew word for here. So there's a little hey. So this this is the menorah, one of the menorahs we use. I don't know if you want to take yeah. you want to take a picture. Do you have pictures of this lit up? Anyway. Oh, I do. I that would be great. Like, and the window. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. I have so the window. I have some really, window. really pretty pictures. It's beautiful. But this was this was uh, my artist in Israel. Zelig That's Siegel. from Israel. This is from Israel. That, yeah, so we enjoy going because now our children live in Israel. Some of our children, our son and daughter, mm-hmm. and my nine grandchildren. So... We ha- we're, we'll be there this year for the last day of Hanukkah. Yeah, any other stories that you'd like to share about mm-hmm. any history, personal right. or right. cultural or any? I feel very thankful that you know I have been able to uh, live here with my husband, David, and we have been able to raise our children here in Memphis, and now they are all in different places. Yeah, right. We miss them. They are my father, and uh, yeah. So Memphis is a unique place. It's a it's a place where there are many different avenues, you know, to choose from on a, in a smaller scale. It's not big. It's not a big city. Right. You know, like. And it's not a small town, so we're somewhere in between. Yeah, we're just kind of Yes. Do you imagine any of your kids might come back? And uh, at this point, I think that they are wanting to be in bigger places. Bigger. You know, right. <laughs> they like in, the bigger. <laughs> in bigger places, yeah. A rabbi to told my husband that the root word in Yiddish for oh, right. Jewish means thankful. Oh, right. How Thank does you. that play out in your life, and especially in this holiday season? Right, yeah. Yeah, well, the root word comes from the word Yehuda, from the name Yehuda, and he was a, the fourth son of of Leah, Leah, in the Bible, okay. and so he, she, gave her sons, and they were to become part of the twelve tribes of Israel. So she gave her sons different names to to mean how she was feeling. And at that point, she felt very thankful that here was a sign that she would be connected with her with her husband now, Jacob. So that's the that's that's the root. And I think every morning when a Jewish person gets up, there's an obligation to say the moda ani, which means thank you. You're saying thank you to to God for returning my soul. Oh, is so, it a short and sweet thank you, or is it, it really it's actual... it's 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 part of the morning a prayer service. There's several, okay, yeah, prayer service, but it's just a short. It is a short modani lefanecha. Thank you mm-hmm. that you've returned my soul, and that yeah, actually, it's taught to little children that particular prayer. So it's as they grow up with it. Like, yeah, and the, that's really sweet. And it, yeah. A 
I feel like that would help your attitude in life. What? If you start your day off right. with Thanksgiving in your heart, like right. automatically that's going to give you yeah, right. an optimism to your start of your day. Right. So that, that, that's why Thanksgiving is a very core value, you know, of being Jewish, I think, because I think your husband's right. It is the root of the word Jewish. So Yehudim, Jews, and that comes from Yehuda, and that root word is thankfulness, and uh, yeah, and Yehuda was the land of Israel, so it all resonates together. I'm going to try one of these chocolates. <laughs> they look really good. I want to, I know, it's important, dark chocolate. As a matter of fact, there's a hundred blessings a day to, as, as Jews that um, we, we have, that we can say it's in our prayer book. And there's a blessing to say over each, over each piece of food that you eat. Oh, really? <laughs> saying over. Should I recite that? That's over you, right? <laughs> you don't have to. Okay. That's the Jewish Jewish people do that, and um, those people who who do observe that. Uh, yeah. That's really and, good. Right. Your parents were both from here. Both my father and mother were born here, and my father's parents came. From Poland, his father and brother came uh, right before World War One. And why did they come to Memphis? You know, there's always a joke. Why did you come to Memphis? Well, the horse died here, or something. <laughs> like, but they came. There was a cousin here. <laughs> How that cousin got here and sent for them, and and they left their town of Poland. And they left. They were married already. They left their wives. And I think my grandfather had uh, one son, and his brother had four children, and they they were going. I I guess they were going to for a better life, to escape persecution, to also you know find a better way of life. And they came, and they um, opening up first a grocery store, and then they started. They, they, they automobiles were brand new, and they started auto parts. Oh, wow. store. It's called Cat's Brother. So that's how they came. Um, I never knew my grandfather. You know, he died in 1941. So I'm, that's who I'm named after. And his, their wives came. So my grandmother came uh, after World War One in 1921. And my mother's mother came after World War One. Yeah, she was 13 years old. And she came with her parents and three of her brothers and a younger sister. Actually, her mother was sent back because she had an eye infection of some kind. And so for one year, they were, my grandmother was 13 and took care of the family. And, uh, yeah. That's a my, big so, responsibility for right, a 13-year-old. Right. Now, she, she was from Grudno. From, sometimes it was Russia, sometimes it was Poland. <laughs> and my grandfather, my mother's father, was born here. That's the one who's whose uh, grandparents came here from Germany, you know, in the 1880s. And I think that the grandfather, my great-grandfather was from Hungary and my great-grandmother was from Germany. And so my grandfather, the Goldbergers, Leo Goldberger, was born here. He started with his brothers, the Jewish newspaper here called the Hebrew Watchman. He started so as a newspaper here? Jewish newspaper here and his <laughs> brothers. And they had a printing company. And I was asking my uncle about that and... He was saying one of the early buildings, because I know you were interested in buildings, was uh, uh-huh. it was one of the early ones. It was on Jefferson, and it was you know down downtown. There was one. It was on November Sixth Street. 
That's a famous street right there. It's a there. famous street on the corner, and it was the Remembrance Shop, it was called. My grandfather, at one point, I don't know if this was in the 40s. This, well, he started the paper in 1925, I think. But this was later on. Uh, actually, his brother's helped start it, and he was the editor. That's but, yeah, but this it is was right any, next to the rendezvous. Any? There was a restaurant, yeah, right. and it became, and so the rendezvous was in the base, became a restaurant underneath their printing company. It, it, this building, I don't think it's any, it's in there anymore, though, I don't think. We have Where to find the printing out. company was? Yeah, this, it was called the Rumors Shop. He tried to have a card shop, like a greeting card shop, yeah. but it was before Hallmark, it was before everything like that. <laughs> I don't know how well it did. Oh, no. But, but uh, yeah. That was his goal, but he ended up just being a print shop and then he also was yeah the newspaper. Jewish newspaper he was very passionate about Judaism about Israel and about yeah Jewish issues and he wanted to unite the Jewish community yeah. together so uh, yeah do you know how long that lasted well the paper is still it's still running, still running. Oh, my uncle that's amazing. yeah my yeah yeah the paper is still it's, from your family, it's a mom and, and pop it in your I'll family. give you a copy the Hebrew watchman right that would yeah, I'll put that on our and, show notes as well. Herman and Bobby Goldberg are his, they are the editors. He's the, uh, my mother's youngest brother. My mom died a few years ago. She used to write the private correspondence. There was everybody was involved. My grandmother said, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, we came back to Memphis. Oh gosh, it's been. We lived in New York, and uh, my. Husband was from Virginia, but you know, I didn't couldn't imagine living anywhere else. <laughs> so I don't know if he's ever forgiven me. I didn't have to come back. <laughs> and we did live away. We lived in in Silver Spring, Maryland. He was in IH, and he was at the university here. But you can't mind it too much, right? But we see how people, all the different buildings, you know, do have resonate with me in different ways. Yeah, you know, thinking going back down towards the medical center and by Overton Square is one of the early, I don't know if it was the first store, but it might have been that my grandfather and his brother opened Cat's Brothers, and they lived above the store. It's the Magnolia Room now. You know, it's on Florence, right by Theater Works, you know, in oh, Overton yeah, Square. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's yeah. a corner building. It's called the Magnolia Room. Yes. It has a like a little I've never been in there, cafe, and then it has a restaurant and uh-huh. like a little yard. Well, that was their um, store. That was their store and the house. It was it was wooden. You know they re they kept the frame, but they they kind of plastered over it. You right. know, but it was a wooden structure it's a that cute I remember, building. right? And so they lived there. And I know that um, my grandmother's family and my father's family uh, were in the Holocaust. You know, there many of them died, and there were and there were two survivors that uh, two of his cousins. Uh, survived the rest of my grandmother's sisters on the cat side of the family and my um yeah and my grandfather's uh family the cat's family all those people i I can show you the picture you know many of them were killed in the holocaust and so two people and their spouses came over and they lived for a time in that same (laughs) that house how does it feel for you to see that place develop and change Right. I mean, you know, thinking about that, how, you know, you just think about how Memphis has changed and the families spread out, yeah. you know, just like a community. And houses, I think, have stories to tell. But it's, and it's, it's really a, cool that you know the, your lineage. And so, where it's just, it came so I really from. want to learn more. There's a lot 
that I really want to know that I don't know. And I was thinking about the buildings when you had talked about that and wondering, look out, some some have vanished. You know, some right. have, some have been thrown, just they're gone and we have pictures and some are still here, but no one knows what they once were. Because they're completely different. Right, yeah. we can't. So the buildings have evolved and changed and grown. But people carry their stories with them. So as the Jewish people, we're carrying our narratives through our Torah and our values yeah. are all, you know, carried that way. Yeah. And now the Hebrew Academy is out here too. The the Jewish day school is over there on White Station Road. Yeah. And the yeshiva. That's the same one that you had gone to when you were young? It's the same building. Okay. Well, it would evolve. I had first gone in Washington. And then, yeah. then when they moved in 1955, mm-hmm. I think, the, the building out east, and there was nothing out here. I mean, past White Station, it was all farmland. It's crazy. So, I know it was all. <laughs> I remember <laughs> people thought they were crazy to build that that it's that so building. Yeah, the uh-huh. building. They didn't because the Jewish community was really in Midtown. You know, it was really in Valentine Hills, and it was really more by Overton Park, and um, no one thought, you know, really. To go that far, so I was, I went on a school bus. You know, we had a yellow school bus every day. Pick me up on from Valentine. Yeah. yeah, I lived on Valen- Hawthorne, Hawthorne yeah. and Valentine, and that's right like, across that's the not street. Too far from where we live. Right, if you go and see you, the Baron Hirsch Synagogue, takes up a whole city block. It's now a church, but you know, it's right yeah. there. Yeah. And I lived right across the street. You know, from that, and we would that makes get sense. picked up. Yeah, but that's where that was. I mean, we were very, you know, wanting to be Americans and at the same time, you know, wanting to be, you know, Jewish and keep our Jewish values. So going to a Jewish day school was a very unusual thing to do. It was an unusual kind of thing. And so it wasn't, it it was a, it wasn't, you know, accepted in the beginning, you know, something to do. Within because the kids that were going there or the communities? It's the community, the communities, I think. Because, really? Because uh, it was different? Right. Well, you know, we wanted to support the public schools, of course, yet this right. was a need that needed to be done. And kind Which of, is interesting you say that because there's so many private schools. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so nowadays. you can't complain about that. Right. No. Yeah. No. We lived in a very sheltered world. You know, I lived in a world of... Um, Segregation, you know, I saw the the signs of colored and white, you know, in the goldsmiths and in all the different places, and so that was a sad time. Really, you saw that growing up. I saw that grow. I saw that growing up. Oh wow! You know, and it was uh, very hurtful to see. In fact, my father's cousins, Nina Katz, when she when they came over, you know, surviving the Holocaust, and when she saw. Those signs, she couldn't believe it. She says, "You know, I've, I've yearned for America, the freedom of America, yet right. to see this, it, it reminded her of Nazi Germany." And yeah, so, the hate is everywhere. Yeah, so it was, it was a different time, and I think Memphis has made a lot of progress. You know, that was a yeah challenging, challenging time. So right, yeah, it's within we our lifetime to, still. Like it's in right. the Holocaust, like it's still in people's memories. Like it's. Right, yeah, for it some wasn't people. That long ago, you know? I mean, it was a long time ago, but right, it's... right. You're right. It's still there. The people who are the survivors are getting older and they're dying, and that'll be different when they're gone. And they're... yeah, but it does yeah. those get the stories get passed down. The stories are passed down. You know, the same with here, like yeah. um, the results of the racism and segregation. Right. These caused. these stories are passed down. They need. Healing, you know. I was at Stern College, Bishiva University in New York. That's where I went, to, and I remember 
that was right before I was supposed to come home for Passover when Martin Luther King, the word came out that he was assassinated here and it was such a terrible time. I was in college. Actually, I was, I was, yeah, it was the year I was getting married too. We were getting married in the summer. And when I I came home during that time, right afterwards, it was just a very, yeah, divisive time and sad time. As Jewish people, I think, you know, we, we, in the Exodus story is central to who we are, that, you know, to, that freedom and, and dignity of all people is, is core. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, how do you make it happen? I know Rabbi Wax from Temple Israel, and at the time I didn't really know it, but I learned later he led a group, I don't know if you know this, he led the group of ministers to uh, Mayor Loeb's office after the assassination of Martin Luther King, because it was all, uh, part of it was about the sanitation workers strike, you know, as you probably know. And they still was not able, he didn't want to, the mayor didn't want to meet with these workers. So the rabbi led the the group and said, you know, to him and said, you know, we've got to do something you need to meet. And he says, it's against the law. And so Rabbi Wax, the way I remember it said, well, you know, there's a higher law. Wow. So okay. and he did end up meeting with them and, and mm-hmm. to to you know, solve that. That's interesting. You have a lot of stories. I was thinking of the stories. I was thinking of the buildings and what do I know about the buildings? And I remember my mother's story, uh, and I realized you know after you're talking about the temple build, you know the what was the Mississippi? It's now the Mississippi Boulevard Church mm-hmm. that. My mother must have gone there. Her family was not uh, observant. You know, they weren't. They, they didn't go to the Orthodox school. Though her grandfather, I think, were one of, was one of the founders of Baron Hirsch. But somehow, they belonged everywhere. But they didn't. Uh, they weren't Sabbath observers. So she uh, rode a streetcar down to the Temple Israel, which would have been. That that temple before the I mean when it was temple Uh she sang in the choir there and she when she was a girl and she loved the music and but yet there was something she was looking for something else and so she decided to on her own to go to the Baron Hirsch the Orthodox synagogue Mm -hmm. uh, where they had junior congregation for teenagers And, and when she went she met my father. And he was so, there. Was, he was the first one there, and she was the second one there. And she said, "I thought I knew everyone in Memphis." She, she was about sixteen years old. Yeah. He was about eighteen. And that night, she tells her best friend, "I've met the man I'm going to marry." And That's two and, real. Two and a half years later, they were married, and so <laughs> she became, you know, Orthodox, and we became observant. And that means, you know, living around when when you're, you know, with Sabbath observers, you live in the right around the synagogue. So you know, you so, yeah. Okay. So you walk. I don't know if you knew. Did you know that? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, I'd heard about that recently. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so that was. Man, that's if I could just walk things kosher. everywhere, whew, that'd be great. Wouldn't it be great to walk there anyway? Uh, like walk to work, walk to your right place of worship. Like, so that's perfect. Right. So <laughs> buildings change, people change, and grow and. Mm-hmm. And choose all kinds so of does this mean if the synagogue were to move, then that means you're going to move? <laughs> right. If the synagogue were to move, right, then yes, I would have to <laughs> do something. <laughs> I don't want to be near a synagogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just commercial. <laughs> the Jewish 
uh, Historical Society of Memphis and the Mid-South okay. is a wonderful organization here in Memphis that really uh, wants to preserve all the stories and the, and the histories of the, of the people in the Jewish community. And so um, I was lucky to become a, a member back when it started in the 80s. And so that's how I found out about you because, yes. the, yeah, so <laughs> they have an archives. Uh, Temple Israel has an archives that tries to, is working to preserve the, the stories and the and all of the documents and different things and they're in the temple community and so part of it houses the collection of the temple of uh, historical societies collection how long yeah. have you been a part of that the 1980s one project that I just finished which I really have felt really good about it was the Exodus project which was from a grant from the Memphis Jewish Federation called a Jewish Federation grant. And what we did is we had volunteers that interviewed uh, the uh, Jewish families that came here from the former Soviet Union during the wow. Soviet Jewry movement. And that was a movement, and uh, you may know about it, but you know, know. Uh-uh. you know, when the doors of, of, of the Soviet Union were locked and and especially for Jews, no one could leave, and they couldn't leave, and there was a lot of discrimination oh, and anti-Semitism wow. against Jews, and they didn't. Uh, many people didn't really know, you know, what it meant to be Jews. They they couldn't really learn about their religion and, and all kinds of things. So, wow. they had to. There was all kinds of protests to open the doors to let them out, and so people came. Eventually, they settled in Israel. They came to the United States, and some came to Memphis. And so we have really? a community of people from the former Soviet Union. Oh, so wow. yeah, they have all kinds of stories. So all of those interviews are stored at the at the archives. That those we are did. Helpful. Yeah, right. That would be interesting to go and listen to. Yeah. And we had a huge uh, exhibition. So live pictures. Where was that at? It was at the Jewish Community Center. Okay. okay. I just gave those pictures to the Center of Southern Folklore. Have you ever been there? That's yeah, in the, a long time ago. I want yeah. to go back. Yeah. You talked about Elvis. Judaism. Oh, I, oh, oh, I could talk about Elvis, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I know that almost everybody in Memphis of a certain age has an Elvis story. You, and it's, you I that? really think so. And in the Jewish community, I think that people of a certain age have an Elvis story. I mean, really. <laughs> I'll tell you, I knew that um, Mr. Kilstein, he's no longer in this world, but he was Elvis's tailor. <laughs> and he lived, <laughs> and you know, there's this story. Everyone, and Elvis was a generous soul. You may have heard this. Uh-huh. He had, and he had oh, a Jewish dentist. I mean, the story of the nurse and the, and the, uh, where he went, I can't remember the name of the dentist, but. He said, "Look, look out the window, and there was a Cadillac, and he had given gave her. He gave away Cadillacs. He gave. <laughs> he was. No, the story is that the first principal of the Hebrew Academy, mm-hmm. you know, the Jewish day school in the early years, lived over there near St. Jude. Uh, it's Lauderdale Courts. It was Lauderdale's courts. It was an apartment complex, and Elvis." as a young boy, lived there with his family. I know. It's, he, he, it's now like Green Law Apartments. Oh, is I that think. what it is? I so he so. lived, I don't know if it's like, so the <laughs> rabbi and his wife and children lived upstairs. He lived downstairs. <laughs> and the story is that the rabbi would uh, lend his record player to Elvis. Elvis, really, that was very poor. Oh. And sometimes Elvis was what's called a, it's called a Shabbos Goy. I don't know if you know that term. I don't know that. Sabbath uh, Gentile who, who uh, very obligingly, when um, 
if the Sabbath comes, you know, there's certain Jewish laws of Sabbath observers can't do, you can't turn your ovens on, you can't turn the lights on and off. Everything has to be prepared before the Sabbath, before Shabbat. Oh, okay. Say, right. All the meal, everything is cooked. So it will say, oh my gosh, I forgot to, you know, I forgot to turn (laughs) the light off. I forgot to turn off. What do I do? And, And you're not allowed to ask anybody. So... So, is this really how it is, even yeah, now? Yeah, e- even now. You even, would prepare, you prepare your meals? Before yeah, everything is cooked before. The table is set. The candles are ready. The wine cup is out. The challah bread is on the table. The dish, you know, and the food amazing. is cooked. It's it's in a warming up, you know, the food for the next day is cooked. Because you There's really a pot have of, a day of relaxation. Or right, like, we, 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 it's really, they're, they're, uh, you're, you don't do... Somebody said, well, why is turning on a light considered work? work. <laughs> well, really, it's the creative acts. It's cre- it's the acts of creativity that were done in the temple and, the, and during the tabernacles. It includes, uh-huh. like, you know, uh, baking and painting. And, and so electricity is, 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 is from making a fire. It's all, yeah, it's from the oral tradition. So You can light a candle, then? No. Oh, no. You light your candles right before. Right before the Sabbath is starting, you make the blessing, and then you you don't light candles. You don't any creative act of doing. I don't know how to describe it, like uh, drawing or uh, cell phone, any technology. Can no. You, what about reading? No. Yes, That's reading is wonderful. Reading, studying, getting together okay. with friends, going to the synagogue. That's, that, nice. that's the traditional Sabbath. Okay. Of course, in different denominations, it's celebrated or in very different ways. Okay. I'm giving you the traditional approach right yeah. now. So that's what we do. So um, Sorry, maybe I went on a sidetrack because I was curious, but you were Right, right. About. Oh, but the oh, elephant. <laughs> so he, yeah, he would live the record player out. And he also, uh, so Elvis was exposed to this Jewish uh, cantor. I think it was... Uh, Robert Merrill, and apparently, uh, once this cantor is written up, went to this concert of Elvis, and the wife wanted to go backstage, and he said, He won't know who I am. But the truth is, he did because he knew this music. <laughs> That's the story. That's one story. But anyway, the, uh, the story is that Elvis's grandmother was of Jewish ancestry. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that. I didn't know that. <laughs> whether that's true, there was a Jewish star on the, on the, on the grave, on the grave, and the other story is that he would take what it was called the Jewish Mafia. He had some friends that were Jewish, George Klein and others, uh-huh. and they would. And when he was getting famous, he couldn't just go out during during the day. So he would go out in the middle of the night, like at two o'clock in the morning. The Jewish Community Center would open up their doors, and he would play racquetball <laughs> in the middle of the night. And he was very grateful oh. and gave them a donation. And they had a Jewish library for a while, and his it was donated by him. Nice. Yeah, but once I did meet him, you did. I took my yeah, I did. I he used to stand outside. Uh-huh. I thought it was Graceland. My mother said no, it was Audubon Park. There were musical notes on the gates. Yeah, when, that's not. <laughs> so I really feel like it was Graceland. So that was okay. our debate. We're not sure, but my cousins from Chicago, who are a few years older than me, I was about ten. Mm-hmm. They were. They loved to play the guitar. They loved his music, and we went to see Elvis, and he would stand outside and give autographs. 
and he was just gorgeous. He had black, shiny hair and big blue eyes and creamy skin, and he wore purple satin pants and a white silk shirt that he bought at, at Lansky's, which was the <laughs> mint. <laughs> and he, you know, he was just really warm and friendly. And my cousin, you know, told him a joke and said, Elvis, I heard you were in the hospital. And he looked at her and he says, what? She said, yes, for sideburns. And he, he laughed, though. He was really nice. Sweet. He did laugh. And he, uh, he gave my mother a kiss. That's what he She remembers that. And, That's but, amazing. Yeah, but I did love his music, and I did love him. Yeah, growing up in Memphis, so being able to be part of the Judaism and you know, the culture and the general community. Yeah. So that was the balance. It was a balance, and you can do that. Before, during the 50s, you know, everybody wanted to blend in. You know, you didn't want to say, you kind of wanted to be Americans. And if you were Jewish, you know, I I wasn't, I was proud to be Jewish, but I was, you know, told, you know, you got to be American too. Yeah. Not by my parents as much, anyway. So, pressure. We had the English names, and right. So in Israel, when when Israel was able to take back the 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 uh, Jerusalem and the Western Wall, which was the spot where the temple stood and where the city of David was, and people were uh, Jewish people had been forbidden to pray there because the Jordanians had control of it, so it was closed off with barbed wire. And when they went, there was an outpouring of Jewish pride when they the soldiers were able to go to the hotel, the wall, and pray. And even those who were not religious felt there was something special. So Jews all over the world felt a sense of Jewish pride. And I think it was after the Civil Rights Movement, too, with black pride, with people coming to feel like, you know, we can be unique. Uh-huh. We can be our own person. We can have our own beliefs. We can, And we can still be part of the community. Yeah. We can be, you know, we, but yet we don't have to give up who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's really the story of the Hanukkah. That's the Hanukkah story. Yeah, It's really about celebrating differences, too. It's about, no, we can be unique. We don't need to give up. Yeah. And um, so after my children were born, after they were born in the 70s, we gave them Hebrew names. They didn't have English names, so they have Hebrew oh, names. Nice. Simcha, which means joy, and Tova is good, and Shoshana is uh, roses. That's so, really nice. So they have, yeah, so it's one name. So mm-hmm. there's a different time, and I think now is our challenge is to take our uniqueness and the and the uh, sparks of who we are and, and our own, each unique, and, and be able to live together. And harmony and be able to hear each other, you know, respect each other, yeah, and celebrate the differences that they and be inclusive mm-hmm. with people that everybody is everybody has a story yeah. <laughs> to tell. I love that, and yeah. that's a good way to end, I think. Yeah, that's a good so, way. <laughs> that's it. I like that. Thank you, yeah. Elia and Lenny. Uh, uh, Elia, right, Lenny. Lenny. <laughs> you call me Lenny. That's good. All right, thank you, and you've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. We like your type. (laughs) You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind-the-scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash memphistypehistory. That's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash memphistypehistory. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, 
and on Twitter at Memphis Type. 